Greetings again in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pastor May J. Gibbons Senior, coming to you this morning from Underwally Ministries here in Alpha Vista, Virginia. We thank God for you joining us this morning at our Sunday school hour. Uh, we uh, got a beautiful lesson this morning, our last lesson out of our 2002-2003 um, standard commentary. We have our new commentaries. Uh, pro, uh, precepts for living, and we have the standard commentary uh, in our store. If you are not uh, up to date with our new lessons, that's going to start in September. Uh, but uh, we are. Uh, we also have uh, Union Gospel Press, our quarterly uh, uh, commentaries. We got those in our store also. So uh, for our Sunday school hour, we are coming to you this morning on August the twenty seventh. God's kingdom will be all in all. Coming out of 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, verses 20 through 28. Uh, as we studied this morning, uh, our golden text says, When all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him, and put all things unto him, that God may be all in all. 1 Corinthians 15 and 28. Uh, as we studied this morning, the righteous reign of God, our third unit, Study is God's eternal reign. Uh, our lesson names this morning as we uh, studied the lesson, summarize the roles of Adam, Jesus, and God the Father, then explain why the death is an enemy, then state uh, why we look forward to the resurrection and why. Uh, so as we get into our lesson this morning, we'll have our line upon line reading of our text, then we'll get up into our discussion this morning for our uh, our um, Sunday school lesson this morning. God's kingdom with will be all and all. Our text reads in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 and 28, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection for the dead. For as in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But in every man, in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, after what they are in Christ at his coming, and then cometh the end. And when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he had put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And he shall put all things under his feet, but when he shall uh, all things be put under him, it is manifest that it is accepted which shall put all things under him. Verse 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all and all. Again, as we study this morning, we want to summarize of the role of Adam, Jesus, and God the Father, then why death is our enemy, and then look forward to the resurrection and why. So let's get into our, uh, our text this morning and our discussion. But first of all, let us have a word of prayer. Mm -hmm. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come to study your word. Lord, now bring your word to clarity and understanding and how we apply it to our each and everyday life so that we can be more like thee. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Christ Jesus' name we do pray. Let every heart say amen. Yeah. So as we get into our introduction this morning, unveiling the masterpiece. 
you know, a few artists share their creative processes. They paint and sculpture and compose or write in private. And when the work is first shown in an unveiling or performance, does the audience witness the artist, uh, what he has created? Even then, it is unveiled only the masterpiece itself, not the process that brought it into being. Uh, the universe of God's creative uh, masterpiece and humanity is its focus. The processes of creation are slowly being discovered via many tools such as space telescopes and microscopes and advanced computers, but it's the masterpiece itself that speaks the loudest. And But if we humans have derailed God's intentions for his masterpiece, and the story of God's response to human rebellion is the story of the Bible. In that response, God recreates the world and recreates humanity to be what he has always intended it to be. So as we look at our context this morning in our text, uh, Paul here is writing this letter to the Corinthians. It's almost uh, said that Paul was saving the most important part of his letter for last, teaching them about the resurrection. And then we should clarify and all said that we mean that the resurrection. Some students that word prefer primarily immediately uh, after death. But when someone who belongs to Jesus died, that person still remains alive in the Lord's presence. And to be in the presence of the Lord after death is an immortal, uh, important biblical day idea uh, affirmed by Paul himself in our text. And the Lord is faithful and he will never abandon his people even in death. But this is not the meaning of resurrection in our text. Life in heaven as this uh, disembodied spirits and not the final state of the Lord's people. For the offset humans were intended to be a combination of body and spirit. And as the creator of everything that is seen and unseen, God's intent was to reclaim his entire creation. And this means that when Christ returns to complete God's saving work. God will raise the dead so that we they are alive as a, uh, as a unit body and spirit. They will be in fellowship with those that are still alive in Christ's second coming. And this final act of God's plan will mark the ultimate victory of God. For reasons that are uncertain, some members of the church in Corinth had begun to dismiss the idea that God would raise the dead. In light of Paul's uh, Emphasis in the church puffed up pride in people may be found the idea of God's raising the dead bodies a little bit distasteful or bizarre. They couldn't quite understand it. And the view had been compatible with pagan Greek philosophy that viewed the body as a prison from one spirit who desired to escape. The Greek play on words of disbelief was called the body of tomb. Another error is they equate a resurrection with reincarnation, the latter being a part of never-ending cycle of reward and punishment that you find a lot in some Indian or Hindu religions. Right. But Paul argued that God does not does indeed raise the dead because he raised Christ from the dead. He recounted the Corinthians, the gospel that he heard, and focused on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, all according to the scriptures. And then he recounted that many who saw Jesus after the resurrection, alive in his body, they had been dead and entombed, Paul considered himself as the last of these witnesses as he witnessed Jesus Christ alive on that road to Damascus. 
Damascus when he was knocked off of his mount. In Jesus' resurrection, Paul said, demonstrates not only God can raise the dead, but he will raise the dead. That he has raised the dead, but he will raise the dead. Both God is able and he will accomplish that which he has promised us to do. So the first of our study is guaranteed victory. Coming out of 1 Corinthians 15, chapter verses 20 and 22, the first fruits. Uh, our text says, but now Christ is what? Risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that sleep. So having discussion this overwhelming testimony of witnesses of Christ's resurrection, Paul began to apply this historical event uh, to the question at hand. Does God raise the dead? Christ's resurrection, it proved that what? That God can and he has and he will. Uh, more than that, Paul said that it guarantees that what? He will do it so in the future. God promised that he will raise us up he will come true on his promise. Amen. Then we get into reversal. Verse 21. He says, from since by man came by death, or by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Paul places Christ's resurrection as the setting of the entire biblical story. From this beginning, God intended to sustain his people and they depended on him. But rebellion, uh, Adam and Eve, severed these uh, power uh, uh, this sustaining relationship that God had with mankind. Yeah. And in this way, humanity brought death what, upon itself, both loss of physical life and the ruin of God's goodness in their lives. The resurrection, however, is the reversal of all of this. And this turned from rebellion to faith, Amen. submitting to God and his rule and the kingdom are promised uh, the king's lifelong provision that he will supply to us. So one uh, first brought the death that all received through rebellion, but someone else through Christ bring us what? Life. Christ, when Adam did that brought rebellion, Christ brought on a life uh, and uh, the resurrection and forgiveness. So though someone is, uh, that someone that we're talking about is what? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Verse 22, he says that for in Adam all die, mm -hmm. even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Yeah. So this phrase, in Adam die, brings the issue of fairness. Why is it fair to, for me to die because of what Adam did? He said that without my consent. See, Come Paul's on. response negates the question because what Christ has done has canceled the result of Adam's sin. Death is reversed and all will be made alive. Now, we should note also two uses of the word all is absolute. All yeah. means what? Wow. All. All means all. All of humanity has in the view an opportunity to receive and accept the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and all that accept him will be saved, mm -hmm. but you have to answer that for yourself. Yeah. But what is the plan for victory? Uh, the short uh, sequence we're studying now, uh, verses 23 and 26. It says that, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards they are Christ at his coming. Yeah. Uh, it said that Paul offers the sequence of events that shows that God plans unfolds, and the basis of this sequence is the fact that God 
the father raised up Christ on the third day after the crucifixion. Again, it mentioned the first fruits bring us the mind that the whole harvest belongs to God. Amen. He belongs the first fruit, but the whole harvest belongs to him. It says that afterwards the day are what? Christ and his coming. And the afterward establishes the what? The next event that will come. And the word they shall refer to what? Those that are dead in Christ are raised at his coming. And those that are alive when Christ returns, both shall be what? Uh, raised up with him. They said we will join him in the air. Christ returned to earth will be what from heaven where he lived and he reigns with God on the right hand uh, after his ascension. The crucified Christ was not just restored life by his resurrection. He was exalted to rule. He returns. He comes as a king, not as a, a slain lamb for the slaughter. He's coming back as the, the, the lion of, the ju of Judah. And he's coming back for a king that rules. Amen. So, one question we asked, we know what, but when? We don't know. Jesus said that not even he understands and knows when. Only the Father in heaven knows. So we don't have to be concerned about what. We understand what's going to happen, but when it's going to happen is we are assured that we are in faith and believe in Jesus Christ. We shouldn't have to be concerned about when. But we know that he promised that he would, and if we faithfully believe in him, we would be part of that great resurrection. Enemy uh, defeated, verse 24. He said, Then cometh the end, and he shall be delivered up to the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule and authority and power. I think we'll talk about it a little bit this morning. Ephesians uh, 6, he's talking about, uh, all of the power and authority that is of this world. He's going to put all of that power and authority down. See, Paul explains the sequence of these divine actions will be accomplished. The end refers to the end of our present age in which the evil and, and sin will be uh, 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 will come to an end. And how the New Testament contrasts this era will come. Christ's ability to put down all rule and authority and power includes the powers of the unseen spiritual world and that uh, empower earthly rebellions against him. And then uh, we have to understand Christ's work will ultimately complete it. Its completion is guaranteed by the great act already accomplished, his resurrection from the dead. With his return and the renewal of creation, God shall uh, indeed be uh, done in full. His will will be done in full on earth as it is in heaven, as we say in the Lord's prayer. Christ's return is not something uh, for the faithful to fear. We shouldn't fear that. It means resurrection of life, and it means defeat of evil in, the, uh, 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 in all of its manifestations, and it means the end of suffering. There's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more trouble I see. The psalmist said that there will be peace in the valley for me. That's what happens when Christ comes. He defeats that. It means that we'll have joy, we'll have peace, and, and then all of the foretaste now since baptism of believers signifies a spiritual resurrection for the dead. When Christ comes back, we'll see the revelation of that that uh, resurrection from the dead come and to be a part of our life. Verse 25, he says that for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. 
And the last enemy that he shall destroy is what? Death. So Christ puts all of that under his feet to support his point. Paul drew out to Psalms 110 and 1, and, and, and it says that the Lord said unto my Lord. He said that his response is said that he's going to put everything under his feet, that he is Christ. The risen one will reign on the throne following his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension. His rule is focused on what? All of his enemies, evil in all forms, will be put to death. But as we do so, we know that we sell what? Complete victory over evil when Christ returns as his king. And says the last enemy death shall be what? Destroyed. God's victory uh, at Christ's return is what? Comprehensive, totally. It leaves no enemy standing. Uh, death itself among all of the enemies of God will be the last one be defeated. But with sin's punishment paid on the cross, God's holy nature is satisfied. The expression remains uh, reminds us of how thoroughly God loves and supports his people. Amen. The victory that God means the end of death, God destroys death by what? Raising his people from the dead, uniting the spirit with the resurrected body that will come to live eternally, unbroken fellowship with God forever. So here we talk about total victory in verse 27. All but one. Verse 27 says, For he hath put all things what? Under his feet. But when he had uh, said all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which shall put all things under him. Paul's again references that 110 uh, psalm, and it says God promises to defeat the enemies of his anointed one. Uh, it says in the scriptures, touch, touch not mine anointed and do my prophet no harm. So what God has done, he will defeat all of the enemies of his anointing. That is Christ and his church. Mm -hmm. And this will be what? Justified punishment for those enemies that have dared to attempt the very same thing uh, to the Lord Jesus. They tried to kill him and they don't want you to have life either. Mm -hmm. And the defeat of the enemies means that all things are now subject to God's king, Christ, will be at one exception, God the Father. And then, then the one who brings enemies under the king's authority, God the Father and God the Son, effectively will share a reign over this new creation that will be fully subject to the divine authority of this triune God. Then all in all, verse 28, it says that uh, when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son himself be subject unto him that put all things under him that God may be all in all. Paul takes this final step beyond to describe the completion of God's plan. First, God subjects all things to his anointed one, Christ, his son. And when the grand plan is complete, the son in turn willingly submits himself to the father placing himself and all that is subjected to him, the Son, under the Father's authority. In this way, Paul said, God becomes all in all, the ruler of all, the victor of all. It is important to recognize also here that Christ is willingly submits himself to the Father. And there is no hint what Paul is saying to the Son is lesser than or inferior to the Father, but in Christ dwelleth what? 
all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Paul also wrote that even Christ was fully equal with God, and Christ refused to use the equality for his own advantage. Mm -hmm. Instead, he was willingly became a servant to do the will of the Father, a will that was also his. Christ was exalted to the highest place by the Father. We see this willingness and the subject to the Father in the story of Jesus' prayer in, uh, of Gethsemane, that we should always remember to submit to Christ, but who also what submitted himself to God. And this reveals the submission is a true way of life. And so it is fitting and last act of God's divine plan is the Son submits himself to all creation to the Father. And the decisive act of salvation was the Son's submission uh, to the story comes to this climax. So as we conclude our lesson for today, the promise of resurrection. You know, because we are mortal human beings, we live so close to death. A Christian's mind often goes to the promise that God's death is followed by life when God uh, uh, brings us into heaven. This promise is real and it's true and it's important and it's real comfort when we consider our own mortality. But today's text reminds us that there is even more to look forward to. And one writer put it, life after death is followed by life after life after death. See, once we have life, we get life again through Christ after we have our first death. But we don't have to be, what, witnessing of the second death. It will become life that makes us again this, what, body-spirit unity that we are fitted together in this new existence. Resurrection from the dead is integral to the end history for it to come. Without resurrection, all things are over. But when resurrection comes, we become new in Christ and we become now this new creation in God, becoming his people. Amen. But raised from the dead, God's people are now made whole. We shall be brought together in a living fellowship and be made new for a never-ending life with God, with this new heaven and this new earth that God has prepared for us. So the life that will come will bring us together with all God's people from all across every age and every nation. And it will be life uh, that where we will be able to inhabit the new earth and the new heaven, able to do things in creation in which we were always designed to do. We can only imagine what God has in store for us and wonder of his wisdom and his love that has made all of these things possible. We should not forget the world that we live in is now and the bodies that we are currently ours are only what? Temporary and to be replaced with this permanent body that God has given unto us. But that truth shall sanctify every action, and this is what inspires our hope, even in the worst of trials. This is what God has promised us now and eternally. So our prayer for today is, great God, your ways are far above our ways. Your promises to us are more than we can imagine. May we live in the light of your promised kingdom. May we look forward to seeing the promise of the resurrection fulfilled. In Jesus' name we pray. Let every heart say, Amen. So our thought to remember this morning is God's final victory 
will make us eternally whole. We thank God for joining us this morning at our Sunday school hour. Uh, We're going to have a, a closing prayer. Then we'll uh, dismiss ourselves for a few minutes, take a station identification, and then we'll be able to come back and open up at 9.30 at our worship hour. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you, and we'll see you in a few. Be blessed.